it's time to raise the roof for our 14th offseason podcast and probably our most unique one so far, considering that I'm the only one right now who is the, I guess, of the of the original trio of me, Gibby, and Evan, the only one who is here today, because we have A, a special guest host, and B, also our special guest. So our special guest host, she's been on a previous podcast with us and is also part of the Razor Roof Network. Uh, Brianna Gonzalez, Bree, welcome. You are now taking over for Gibby and Evan for the time being. How does that feel? How are you doing? Feels good. You're giving me too much power here. It's going to go to my head. Well, I mean, you can, <laughs> I mean, you can let it go to your head. I mean, that's not my fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I wanted to, I mean, we, trust me, you gave a lot of good takes and were a great guest when we had you on. And obviously since you're part of the podcast or since you're part of the network, we wanted to hopefully, and for the future, Bree's going to kind of spot host at certain points. So this won't be the last time that you've heard her or that you will hear her coming on. So just be aware of that in the future. Uh, yeah, so get used to some, it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so maybe the power will go to her head. Uh, and then obviously our special guest, she's on Twitter. We'll talk more about that later, but do you want to, do you want me to call, do you want me to say Elizabeth or Liz as Liz which is, one do you Liz prefer? Is fine. <laughs> okay. So Liz Anderson, she is part of the race community. Liz, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. How's everything going? I'm great. Happy to be here. <laughs> Happy to start talking about whatever we have going on here. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And also <laughs> I'm now outranked because we have two members of the McClanistan's uh, Twitter race. Yeah, you guys are taking over. Honestly, it's great because I don't know how many people within the actual group chat that we've had on so far, but it, I mean, good I think amount. Up, I was You'll never know like how many there seven. actually are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Numbers so, secret. Okay. So apparently the numbers unknown. It's under wraps, FBI, CIA stuff, KGB, if Top you're secret. talking Russian. Top secret. How should he hush? <laughs> So uh, with that in mind, with us all here, I wanted to go over a couple things that have happened. Uh, Unfortunately, not as many Rays related topics, but kind of Rays related topics in this. So the first thing being uh, what has happened, the revelations that have happened with our friends north of the border, the Toronto Blue Jays. They just recently signed within the last week. They recently signed Houston Astros outfielder. I guess if you want to call him a cheater, you can call him a cheater, but he kind of escaped all of the criticism of the cheating scandal. George Springer, they signed him for a six-year, $150 million deal, which compared to DJ LeMay, he's re-signing with the Yankees, seems like an absolute steal now. And we thought they were also going to get former Astros and Cleveland baseball team outfielder Michael Brantley, and then it happened, but then it didn't happen, and then he re-signed with the Astros. Now, apparently, there's also rumors of them maybe signing James Paxton, who the Rays have been, or at least us as Rays fans, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and I feel like a lot of Rays fans are targeting him as a possible free agent target. So for both of you, how do you feel about these deals that the Blue Jays have made, or the one that they actually did make, then the one that they didn't make, and then now the possibility of them signing Paxton. How much more does this make them a contender within the division and a formidable opponent to the race? Um, well, the Blue Jays, you know, I'm not, I mean, I can't be the only person who was like a little concerned going into the, um, the, the playoffs against them, you know, because they do have such a good young team. But like after playing them, I kind of realized that maybe they're not as scary as we might've thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know, I said something about it uh, like earlier or yesterday or something, but it's just kind of, crazy to me and funny to just see all these other teams 
in the division that are trying to get all these superstars and like deal with the Rays because we clearly aren't getting these superstars and we're it's still working out for us. Mm-hmm. So these are like, you know, Springer is not somebody that I ever thought we would get, especially because we weren't going to ever pay the amount of money that he would want. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just an optimist. So I don't really, I'm not concerned about playing against him because obviously we handled him in Houston too. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, Bree, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about the signings? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helps them out. But I don't think, like I said on Twitter, he only gets maybe four at-bats per game. Like, there's only so much he can do as one player. So, like, it's definitely going to help them out. But it's not going to be the thing that pushes them past the Rays or the Yankees. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. I'm sure they're going to sign more people. But I'm sure the Rays are going to grab someone too. So, yeah, it'll be a fun, fun three in the division. That is true. Now, what I wanted to pose to both of you, if they end up signing Paxton, considering the fact that they also signed Hyungjin Ryu last season, with the current rotation that they have, which right now their top two, if they were to sign Paxton, would be Ryu, Paxton, Robbie Ray would be third, and then maybe two other people. How do you feel about that pitching staff in terms of it being formidable? Because I feel like they're kind of in the same place as the Yankees, where they have a much better offense, but their pitching is lacking. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um I don't, again, I didn't really see much from them during the, like, I wasn't impressed (laughs) by the rotation that they had. And just like looking at his stats, that Paxton stats, if they did get him, he's, I mean, not including 2020, but in like 2019, it says he had almost a four ERA, you know, for the race, two or three is enough. (laughs) And then our pitching will handle the rest as far as how they'll do in the rest of the division. Again, I just like Bree said, I can't see them passing the Yankees or us. You know, I, I can see them in the solid three spot. Bree, Bree, you kind of feeling the same way? I think, like, the Rays are going to be okay because we have that depth. And I don't think the Blue Jays or the Yankees have that. Um, that being said, if the Blue Jays were to get Paxton, it's definitely going to help them out. But also, I think Paxton with Kyle Snyder as a pitching coach is different than Paxton without Kyle Snyder as a pitching coach. So, you know, they'll be good. No one in the AL East really has a great rotation right now, to be honest with you. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think it'll be okay, though. Well, I was going to say Paxton with the Rays would also mean Paxton with Mike Zunino would be the reuniting of them, too. Yep. So, I think that he would be a much different pitcher if he was to go on the Rays. But I understand both your points there. I I don't know. I, I, I think it's too young. I mean, it's too early to kind of tell what's going on with the Blue Jays just because of how young their core right now is. And obviously with Vladdy Jr. losing so much weight and looking so much better in the offseason, I think that's going to pay dividends a lot more than, I mean, I think most people are going to think that it's going to do that, but we don't really know for sure. So we'll kind of see how that develops. I did want to talk about one other team in the AL East who has been making a couple or who made a couple moves in the last day or two, that being the Boston Red Sox. So they just recently signed Kike Hernandez, formerly of the Dodgers, and then former Angels starting pitcher Garrett Richards who is a left-handed pitcher, and obviously the Rays having lost Blake Snell, they're now down a left-handed pitcher in the starting rotation, even though Ryan Yarbrough is there, so now they're down from two to one. I wanted to get both I wanted to get both of your takes on, on, on those signings because, honestly, with what the Red Sox have, and I don't know where Sale right now is in his, in his rehab from surgery, but I don't know how I feel about them. Uh, I'll go first. Um, for me, I just, with the issues that they had last year and just frankly how 
bad they were last year. I mean, I'm going to say they were bad. <laughs> um, I can't see these two signings making a difference. And I almost have to ask, like, why would they, obviously I can understand why they would go out of their way to, to get players like that, but it's almost a waste of a contract because I don't know, they want to contend, but I just don't see it happening. Even if they do have those two signings. Yeah. Bree, how do you, how do you feel about that? Because you told me pre-pod that you have a take on this. So I want to hear this take. I do have a take. So I think that the Red Sox are trying to contend this year just by making those signings. And I know that those two signings aren't like going to fix all of their problems because their defense is still going to be terrible. Um, I mean, Kike helps, but mm-hmm. their relief pitching, their bullpen is not good either. Yeah. But their starting pitching is really not bad, especially once they get sale back. And they do have some depth there as well. And that's the only team, aside from the Rays, that has any starting pitching depth um, at all, basically, mm. in the AL East at least. So I think I think they're trying to contend now because they wouldn't sign those guys to such short contracts if they were just like expecting to be bad again this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they're trying to contend. I think they're going to make more moves. Um, so I'm interested to see what those are. I don't know if it they're going to need to do a lot if they want to actually contend. But I think what they're trying to do is capitalize on the fact that nobody else in the AL East has a good rotation. So um, at least for now. And I'm not saying that the Rays can't because I think they very well could. But yeah, unproven. So I yeah, I think they're trying to contend, which is interesting. And I don't think we've seen the last of their moves. Yeah, well, why is it that the Rays haven't tried to sign a pitcher like Richards? Because Richards is not that expensive of a uh, of a pitcher to get, considering the fact that I guess he would kind of fall in the same similar area in terms of player as what James Paxton is. So why is it that the Red Sox, who, I mean, a- as you said, might be trying to contend, but honestly probably aren't going to factor into the playoff picture unless it's expanded, why are they the ones who are signing a player, a pitcher like Richards instead of the Rays. That, that's, that's just a thing that's puzzling to me. I don't know if either of you have a take on that. It really just feels like they, the Rays want to just depend on the prospects. They want to depend on what we have and that's true. what we could be. So that really, to me, is the only thing I can think of as to why they wouldn't go after more players this offseason, you know, make more signings, more trades. It's just, you know, we have so much depth in our prospects and that's you know that's the only explanation I can think of really my only take on that <laughs> no that makes sense Bree how do you feel about it yeah um kind of along the same vein I would just say I think they are trying to look for a starting pitcher but I think they have a very specific like need they know exactly okay. what they want and they're going to be picky about it and they can afford to be picky about it because we do have all of those prospects that's so I true. think they're going to look for exactly what they want and if if there's a guy out there who like kind of fits the need but like not all the way then they're just gonna be like no we'll keep looking so I think that's why we haven't seen anything yet well I was gonna say the good thing is we won't need a shortstop considering we have like 15,000 now after the international (laughs) signing window so that's you know that's good at least but yeah it's just weird about the pitching side of it I mean I guess it is good that the Red Sox are trying to contend because it makes the division better and it makes games more competitive. It just, it still doesn't make any sense to me considering the fact of them just trading Mookie last season and Mookie being the heart and soul of that team. And them, I, I know JBJ's contract is coming up. I know Ben Benintendi's contract is coming up. Sales coming off of injury. I know Eduardo Rodriguez just had some heart condition where that basically didn't allow him to play during the 2020 season. I don't know if it medically retired him from baseball or what his deal is. So 
it's just weird to see them making moves. I mean, it's good, but it's also weird. And I just don't really know what to think about it more than what we just talked about. The only thing for me, at least that's positive about the Red Sox is that they still have Mike Schwarren who went to Maryland. And it was actually funny because he and Brandon Lau faced each other. I think it was in the 2019 season, they faced each other in a game. So that was at least the one bright spot for me. And then he went to the London series and got shelled because every pitcher in the London series got shelled and then got uh, demoted down to triple a when I'm like, well, then why the hell did you throw him out in the London series? Because literally every dude gave up like six runs in those games. It was just the most, the worst version, but also the best version of baseball in terms of what they were trying to do. So who knows? Who knows what that I wanted to get both of your takes or not both of your takes, but uh, both of your reactions to the news that we found out about either yesterday, the day, no, it was yesterday about the passing of Hank Aaron uh, at the age of 86, which was very much a, it was definitely a shocker on the baseball world. It, it sucks because we're now in the third week. If you want to consider it that of the 20 uh, of the 2020 or of the year of 2021. And this is the third major league baseball hall of famer that's died in as many weeks so right now we're averaging one Hall of Fame death a week, which is not good at all. And it's just really, really <laughs> sad to hear. But I wanted to get both of your reactions to the to, to Hank Aaron's death. Um, it was obviously sad, of course. But for me, it was like a little bit different because I, I might get judged for this. I was a big BJ Upton fan, <laughs> still am. Okay. And he, I know that Hank Aaron was like one of his idols. And so I just when I heard the news, it like, it like clicked in my mind, like, oh, you know, so it made it a little bit more sad for me in that sense. I'm also somebody who, you know, I want to make sure that whoever it is that I'm supporting, like I can get, like, I, you know, I want to do the research to make sure it's not somebody that is like a terrible person. (laughs) So he's one of those players that doesn't really have that I can, that I can recall, like a scandal that to where it's like, okay, maybe he's a bad person. He was a good guy. He made, you know, huge strides for the league and for, you know, black players in the league and obviously was a role model for a lot of the black players in the league. So it's just, you know, that much bigger, I think in my mind, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Bree, what, 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 what was your reaction? Because I know on Twitter, you were like, oh my God, Hank Aaron's dead, which is kind of how I felt when I first saw that. Yeah. I don't, I just woke up and that was the first thing I saw. And I was like, no, I mean, he was probably my favorite hall of famer. Um, so that was sad. And honestly, like Braves fans, that's just rough. I mean, obviously for all of baseball, but that's their third one since I think Necro or however you pronounce it died in late December and then Sutton a few days Jeez. ago as well. I completely so forgot about Phil Necro. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's three in a row for them. Jeez. It's almost like half the Hall of Famers played for the Braves at some point. (laughs) Honestly, you're not wrong about that. That is (laughs) insane. I I completely forgot about Phil Negro. Yeah. So Braves fans are just, I just feel awful for them. But um, yeah, Hank Aaron, you know, so many people, um, even in like the Rays community, were sharing stories. I know I heard Kevin Cash has like a signed jersey from him. Neil Solon's had a great story about um, him in the booth at a Durham Bulls game. That was an amazing thing. I love that story. He was going to buy like an $8 ticket to a Durham Bulls game, which just blows my mind that that would happen. Yeah. So he just seemed like a really stand up guy and he had a big impact on a lot of guys throughout baseball, both when he played and still to this day. So it's a sad, sad passing for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm with both of you on that. When I found out, I was just, it, it was 
it was shocking to say the least. I mean, in, in terms of the player that he was, he was a trailblazer for the sport. He was a trailblazer for African-Americans in sport. If you're going to talk about famous players in a sport, if, if sports center, if ESPN is running like full on specials, remembering the life of a player, then you know that that player transcended the sport and transcended sports in general to pop culture. I mean, when he, I, I, I can't really attest to being there in person because I wasn't born when he uh, w- was chasing Babe Ruth's home run record, but I've seen videos of it. And to think about all of the injustices that he faced, the constant injustice that he faced as a black player playing in the deep South, once the Braves moved down to Atlanta and him chasing the record that of a white player from, you know, you know, an illustrious uh, career like Babe Ruth was, regardless of the player that he was off the field, on the field, he was in a lot, you know, he was one of the greats, if not the great at the time, you know, like the greatest player at the time. And then Aaron comes in and breaks his record. And the one thing that stood out to me watching previous videos was, I think it was Vince Goy was on the call, but someone saying Hank Aaron receiving or is, is currently receiving a standing ovation in the deep South which is just a quote that stands out in my mind because mm-hmm. this is 1974 when he breaks the record, which is, you know, four years after the end of the sixties, this is not even a decade after the civil rights movement happened. And, and it's just crazy to think about that a guy would transcend sports like that and would just anyone, regardless of, regardless of what you believed in, what you looked like, everyone wanted him to, everyone wanted him to break that or like everyone was happy when he did that. And they were all supporting him, even though there were a lot of death threats uh, at the time. And the, and the other thing I thought was funny, or I mean, funny to me was that there was a story that I saw on the two players, or I mean, not on the two players, but the two fans that came on the field and congratulated Hank Aaron as he was coming around mm-hmm. or as he was going from second to third. And I think in an, in an interview, he said that those two guys, he thought that they were going to like jump him or something like that. <laughs> And it ended up being that they were just there. I think their plan was just like, okay, we're going to go on the field. Sure. That, that was it. And then they went on the field. They went to go congratulate him and that was it. And they ended up like meeting several times after the fact. And it's just cool to think about that because I mean, I don't think those guys were prosecuted by the law or anything like that. And if they were, it was a very minor thing, but it's just so funny because they had that bond of we were there on that, on that night with you. And we shared and I mean, whether it was a good thing or bad thing that they shared in the moment, but they did. And it's actually cool considering that those were two white guys that did that. So it was two white guys congratulating a black player in the deep South after breaking a white, a white man's home run record that stood for 40 years at the time. So it's, it sucks that he's gone. It sucks that he's gone for sure, but he's provided so many great memories to so many different baseball fans that uh, I mean, his, I mean, his legacy in baseball will, will is, is forever cemented and will forever be remembered. Yeah, and, and on like just to piggyback on that story, um, players like that that can obviously break that barrier between like the racial barrier of a white a white fan who loves baseball so much that no matter how they might feel, it's still like they're so excited for him. Players like that are just like to me, they were like so important to any sport, whether it's baseball or any other sport. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, one more reason that it's you know, that's just there's just so many layers to why obviously it sucks <laughs> that he yeah. that had to happen, you know, but what can you do? This is true. This is true. Hey everyone, Alex hopping in here as I am editing this newest Raise the Roof episode to let you know that we are about to talk about the Jamison Tyon trade rumors. At this part in the episode, we did record this the night before he was traded to the Yankees. 
We did not know that he was going to be traded at the time. So we will be discussing that in our next episode in terms of the trade and what that means for the Yankees, what that means for the Rays and the AL East. But we did want to keep this part in in the episode because we thought it was a good discussion nonetheless. Thanks again and enjoy the rest of this 14th offseason episode of Raise the Roof. Two quick baseball things before I wanted to talk a little bit more about the McClanahan stands and more about you, Liz. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the poss- uh, new trade possibility that has come up uh, involving the Pittsburgh Pirates, which, of course, that's the team that the Rays seem to swindle and steal everyone from and fleece, including Adam Barry, who's our new MLB.com <laughs> reporter. And I really hope that he lives up to what Juan was because Juan was great. Yes, R.I.P. Juan. All right, no, he's not dead. Jeez. We love Juan. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want anyone else to die. That's... Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a better place, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so the apparently the Pirates are now shopping Jamison Tyon, starting pitcher from the Pirates. I know that the Rays have now become a team that has been discussed in trade rumors with them because of course they are obviously after the pirates just traded joe musgrove to the padres is tie on a so with right now basically the knowing what has currently happened with luis castillo and those trade rumors immediately being squashed by the reds gm them him saying that he's expecting castillo to be on the team as a starter in 2021 is Tyon worth it for the Rays to go after as a starting pitcher for the 2021 season? Well, my first thought when I like, you know, looked more into him was he would definitely fit with the stable because he's like eight feet tall. And <laughs> that just seems to be the trend we have going. Tall I don't boys. know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, did he ever actually play with Tyler Glass now? What, like, did they ever cross paths when they were there? He was, like, yes. he's been, yeah, Tyon's been with the Pirates for a few years now. Let me just yeah, check. I think, yeah, since I 2016. Think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they would have. Yeah, definitely. They, they've, yeah, I was going to say they've definitely interacted before because Glassnow made his, made his major league debut in 2018. And then it was 2019 with the Rays that he actually, you know, broke out as something. Yeah, it looks like they were on the roster together um, at one point. So, you know, I think that would be a great, it would be nice to have that chemistry like like if they already have any kind of built-in chemistry I think that would be like a nice addition to the team um otherwise I don't really have much much of an opinion on this guy I don't pay much attention to the pirates (laughs) yeah no you're not you're not the only one hey Kumar Rocker you're not missing much (laughs) Kumar Rocker is going to turn the pirates into a contender in like Mm -hmm four years five years mm-hmm. so you know like other than them being our farm team you know i don't really have <laughs> <laughs> got him <laughs> Dang. and then i mean archer's a free agent so we could come back and sign archer so it ends up being a win-win for us <laughs> yeah exactly yeah poor pirates <laughs> they don't deserve that i mean they have this deal oh, no okay the steelers are a joke so okay <laughs> mo- mo- moving on <laughs> Bree, Bree, how do you feel about it yeah i think Actually, Liz, that was a great point about the Glassnow connection. I hadn't even thought about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically, I'm going to trust whatever the Rays do if they decide he's that guy that would fit in and that they can do something with, then by all means, go get him. If not, that's fine, too. I'm not going to panic. So, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm I'm with both of you on that. If they are going to trade for him, they can't give up a top, I would say, 10 prospect maybe even top 15 because he's not worth that he's not even close to being worth that in my opinion so I think you could give up like any guy from 15 to 20 maybe like two of those guys but you you don't give up a top 10 prospect 
even a top 15 prospect for him. And then I think you could probably give up a guy who's kind of a proven major league talent, like someone who's been on the team at least for a little bit now. And that would kind of make it, but who really knows? And also I think the other thing with this is that, you know, adding the glass now thing into it, which hey Tyler, we saw that you came on or we saw that you went on another, another podcast and like, we want you on our podcast, please. Yes. Please, please. Know you're listening. Come on. Just, you know, yeah. let us know. I know, I know you're shy, but you're welcome. To yeah. Be here. Yeah. Please, 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 Tyler. We want you to be here. We, we oh, want you to. Alex again? So yeah, the, I, I think, I think that connection makes it much more of a possibility than I think a lot of people are thinking of, at, at least from the race perspective, but you don't want to give up big names for it. I think is the biggest thing with yeah. that. I, I mean, that's as, as simple as that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like what Bree said, you know, any pitcher with any other pitching coach is like a different story, but I mean, I, Tyon is, is decent, you know? And so with, with Kyle Snyder, I, I, I can see him being a lot better. So I don't know. I think it would be a good fit, but who knows if we'll sign anybody again this off season. So it could be an interesting fit. It can be an interesting fit. Also uh, my connection just kind of zotted out and I am down bad for Tyler glass. Now this is, this is on the record. <laughs> I'm putting this in the podcast. I'm down bad for Tyler glass now. So we who have isn't? that set up. Honestly, you're not wrong about that statement. Last bit of baseball news that I had, apparently, so for those that don't know, the Blue Jays are all, are in another rut because they can't play in Canada. I mean, obviously, like literally, for example, the NHL is having a seven-team uh, division just for Canadian teams because they don't want Cana- they don't they don't want Canadian sports teams to get involved with what's going on with American sports teams. Obviously the Raptors currently playing at, at, um, at, at Amelie Amal. Uh, I'm not going to even the, the, the arena that's in Tampa that near the channel side district, that one, where the, where the lightning play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where the lightning play. The, um, uh, the Raptors are currently playing there. So word recently came out about the blue Jays that they might possibly play in Dunedin. And I don't know if that would be with or without fans, but I'm a hundred percent for that idea because I've been there. So I went there pre renovations and I know the renovations look really good. And if they could have fans there, Ooh, that would be so nice because honestly, and I've talked about this with my friends before I talked about this in a group chat that I have with my friends where the one was like, what's the big thing about spring training. And the way that I describe it is that you have to be there to understand it. I can't really describe the vibe of spring training to you without actually being, you know, having you go to spring training games. And I feel like it would be a spring training vibe with major league games going on. And that would be the coolest thing. Yeah. At those, at those ballparks, it's such, it's so much more personal. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to, you've probably been to minor league games. Mm -hmm. There's it's so much more personal than any like major league game. And I feel like, you know, if they had had fans last year when they were this in 2020, when they played in Buffalo, it would have been the same idea, the same concept. I know it would be really cool if they're in Dunedin, because it would give, if they are allowing fans, it would give race fans more of an opportunity to go to, you know, they could go to those games if they aren't able to make it to the trop, you know, especially because of the the fact that all of our fans are in this area, you know, mm-hmm. they can go to Blue Jays games when the Rays are there. It's just, I don't know, it would be cool. <laughs> My Brie, how do you, Brie, how do you feel about it? Well, I do think it would be really cool. And honestly, I would definitely love to go to some, but at the same time, like, what if it converts people to Blue Jays fans in the area? So that, right. <laughs> that's my only like little hesitation, but I understand you know, that. That's valid. I, I, that, but, is, that is completely valid. Well, but I wa- oh, wait, sorry. Sorry, Liz, go. My bad, my bad. I, 
I was just going to say, I can't imagine it being any worse than like, you know, having the Tampa Yankee stadium right there. And, you know, how yeah. so many yeah. Yankee fans here, I think we probably have plenty of blue Jays fans here anyway, because of all the retirees that are in Florida, <laughs> but you, that's a, that's a very valid point though. That is a valid point. I wanted to ask. So the one thing I want to see, this is just going to keep relating me back to spring training. I want to ask both of you have, have, have either of you been to spring training before? Have either of you been in spring training games? I haven't. I've been to a handful of uh, minor league games. Like I went to a game at, uh, it was the Tampa Yankees playing whatever the Mets affiliate was that had Tim Tebow on it at the time. (laughs) I went to like, yeah. And I went to one minor league game in um, Jacksonville. It was a, one of the Miami. Oh, you went to the jumbo shrimp. It was so awesome. Yes. (laughs) So not, not spring training, but I feel like the minor league games are probably very similar just with even more players you've never heard of before. Yeah. So. Bree, what about you? Yeah, I've been to a couple. Most I was too young to remember, but I did go to one um, Blue Jays first raise in Dunedin like a couple a year or two ago, I guess mm-hmm. two years ago. So it was a good time. I got the worst sunburn I've ever had there. So it was good. It happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's why you got to wear you got to wear sunscreen. Somehow, I don't know, living in New Jersey, somehow I think I've been to like 30 or 40 spring training games which just seems like way too many, but my family. So the, so the rest of my family are Phillies fans uh, for the, I mean, you, you guys can't see on video, but there's a bunch of Philly stuff behind me. So just believe me on that one. So we usually go down to Clearwater, which is where the Phillies it's like talking about the Philly stuff made him cut out. <laughs> so, yeah. So the rest of my family being Phillies fans, we've been to Clearwater more than a few times. I think I've been to of the spring trainings in my lifetime since 2003. I think I've missed like three or four. So I've been to a couple games every year and, and that doesn't just include Phillies games. So I'm very, very important or I'm very, very biased towards liking spectrum field, formerly bright house field as my favorite spring training park, because it is the best one. And it is the one that screams uh, that screams spring training to me the most. Like when you're looking at a ballpark, it's that in Lakeland, which just screams spring training to me. So I've been to, Clearwater, Lakeland, Dunedin, Sarasota before they renovated it. Tampa, which is the worst one in my opinion because it it's, it doesn't feel like a spring training park. Port Charlotte, uh, old Astros in in uh, Kissimmee, Kissimmee, however you say that. I, I'm not going to see – like I've been to Florida so many times I still can't pronounce things. And then uh, the, the former Brave Stadium in Disney. And the Blue Jays stadium is so cool because it's just one of those things. And it, another, another thing that embodies spring training, especially in Florida, like you'll be driving in a town and then there'll just be boom, baseball stadium out of nowhere. And you'll be like, Oh, where's the, what is this? And, <laughs> and that's, what's cool about it. And that's what I think would be really, really cool about this. We'll see what happens with spring training. I don't know. Or we'll see what happens with the spring training facility down in Dunedin if they actually use it. We don't know right now because they still might go to Buffalo, but it's just something to look out for. So, Liz, I have a few questions for you, starting off with I wanted to ask you some things about the McClanistans, um, the group chat that you, um, that, that you were in along with Bree. And I wanted to start off with when did it, when did it first start? Were you one of the first people that were – involved in it did you join in later how did things work for you in terms of how you first got involved with it yeah I don't remember who added me to it um it was I think during the world series I'm pretty sure it might have been game three or game four I remember being in it during game four because I was drinking heavily and (laughs) 
<laughs> I just we were we were going we were go popping off that day. But <laughs> I don't remember who added me. There were already like a lot of people in there, but um, you know, over time, some people left. Some people have been silent the entire time. But you know, the the group of us that are actively in the chat have just become, I think, pretty close. Like we talk all the time about whether it's baseball or just like our problems, our lives. And it's really cool to have made some friends that are like women that watch baseball that are like the same team as me. Cause I've always been on the internet and I've made plenty of female fans, like fan friends, but like not a lot that are Rays fans. So it's, that's been really nice to have that group, you know, mm. Brie, when did you first get involved and join the group chat? I think it was around the same time. It had already existed before I was in it. I don't know. I mm-hmm. was at it at some point. Um, I think Emma added me, actually. But maybe it was Amita. I'm not sure. One of them. One of them. One of them yeah. added me as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it's really cool how close we've all become, actually. And I don't know. I, I think what's really cool about the Rays specifically is – you know, I've interacted with a lot of female fans on the internet, like Liz said as well, but the Rays have such like a really like decent ratio of female fans, it seems like, compared mm-hmm. to other teams. I mean, the only ones I can think of that have a lot of other female fans that I've interacted with are maybe like the Mets and I don't know, the Braves, but I think it's because we have Tyler Glass now. Facts. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's been really cool to get close to them and it's nice to talk about baseball with people who don't think that you only like it because you're attracted to the players you know like we can sit here I can sit in the chat and I can say like Tyler Gra- Glassnow's attractive and we could all agree and I could say Tyler Glassnow's trying to work on a cutter and we'll have a discussion on that mm-hmm. like I don't know it can be both and it's nice to just have a community where you're not judged like that so yeah. like where you know everybody you're talking to is taking you seriously <laughs> basically why do both of you, because I'm just really curious about this, why do both of you think that the Rays have such a good fan, you know, section of the fan base that is, um, you know, women, female baseball fans? Why does it seem like the Rays and female baseball fans connect so well? Because honestly, I think it's great that there's a lot of, I, I don't, you know, I've, I've been called out for saying female representation, but like, you know, women, women fans, you know, women, women that also follow and support the team why is it that there's such a good connection and there's such a strong section of the fan base that is you know women first of all love that you're doing your best to say the most respectful terms <laughs> yeah i'm trying so hard and i'm just failing miserably i'm just like you're trying oh, i'm gonna get canceled so bad it just it's it's all falling apart <laughs> Next week, we'll vote on whether or not you deserve rights. In the- okay, cool, <laughs> cool. This, <laughs> next week on the podcast, stay tuned. It's going to be spicy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, we pick a different man and decide if he deserves rights. So mm-hmm. don't yep. worry. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even, I think that a lot of teams probably have a lot of female fans. It just doesn't, I, I don't know why the Rays, I don't know. I don't interact with like a whole lot of fans of other teams, but I would assume that like a lot of teams have, a large group of female fans they just might not be as active or they may not have like obviously we've got this group that we've formed so mm-hmm. you know we I think seem more like seem bigger because we do interact with each other all day long and you know that's the only thing I can think of yeah Brie yeah. I don't know I, I I wanted to hear your take on this as well I was really curious yeah I mean kind of what she said we created our own community which I think in general 
like kind of like I said earlier being a female baseball fan you get judged a lot and what you say is kind of automatically invalid because you're a female sometimes and I think the Rays fans in general not just the female fans but most of the males as well and even the team itself has done a really good job in cultivating a very inclusive environment and I don't know if you could say the same thing about all other teams I mean I can't say you can or cannot because I'm not a fan of them but so I think they've just kind of allowed us to create this community where we all feel welcomed so that's probably why I think that's one thing about being such a young team is like all these teams with all the history have all these like old men who who are like set in their ways about how sports should be or sports fans should be. And so the Rays being such a young team, there's so many young, there's not, I mean, there's fans that haven't, you know, spent 80 years watching the team. And so it's just a lot easier to mold that kind of fan base. And I think that could be part of it too. How much, how much of it do you think also is the, you know, what the Rays, from what I've seen, what the Rays community is on social media? Because honestly, I think it's one of the more welcoming, if not the most welcoming, most inclusive and just most together social, you know, social networking, social media communities that I've seen among any baseball team. And I think, I think part of that, the reasoning for that could be just the fact that, um, you know, we are a small market team. It's not like the Yankees where you've got, you know, millions of Yankee fans in quotation marks, all the, you know, all over the place who like, you know, they don't watch baseball, but the Yankees are the team that they know. So they're automatically a Yankee fan. You know, we've got a fan base that is, you know, growing of course, but it's not that hectic. And so I think that makes it easier for people to get to know each other and, you know, become a, a community and a network. And, you know, for me personally, I've only really been on Twitter for like a year or so. And I don't know, I don't even remember how I started to interact with a lot of Rays fans, but it just happened. And it was, again, easy, like you said. So I think that has a lot to do with it. It's just that we're such a small market, you know? Yeah. yeah. Kind of going off of that, it's because we are a small market, like we know, like, I'm not going to say the Rays don't have fans because obviously like there are so many of us, we have them, but at the same time, we want more of them desperately. So it's kind of a community where it's like, if someone says, oh, like, I kind of want to be a Rays fan. We're like, welcome. We're not like, oh, you're a bandwagon fan, like Fairweather fan, like go away. And we were like, no, like here, let's teach you about the team. Like here are these cool videos of how awesome our players are. Like come talk to us, ask us questions. So I don't know. It's a great community and I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah. And kind of related to that, like during the, and yeah, just like what Bree said, you know, we are welcoming of people that want to like take the team seriously because you were so used to everybody just saying, you know, you have no championships, you're no history, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, exactly. We're just accepting of new people. Honestly, I think that's a hundred percent true. And that leads me into asking some questions about you, Liz. So how did your how does your story of race fandom where does it start so i've always said i've always like joked that i'm a fake fan because i really didn't start watching the rays or baseball or really any sports before 2008 and so really that season obviously is when all the quote unquote bandwagoners you know came around but you know that's when i really took interest in it because i was um around my sister a lot she was watching cuz she was into sports and you know the rays that 2008 race team is what made me interested in sports at all. So yeah, I don't know. We were just, we would watch every single, you know, game. It was, I think it started in like June of that year. 
and we watched every single game, playoff games. It was, you know, it's a great way to obviously fall in love with the sport. And it just helped that it was my team, my local team, you know? So that's where I started out. And then it never stopped after that. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not a fake fan. Maybe. No, you're, you're definitely not a fake fan. Well, I was going to say, are you a local to the Tampa Bay area? How close are you to the Trop? Oh, I'm in Tampa. Um, the drive to the Trop is probably like 45 minutes for me. So it's definitely, I'm one of those people who definitely would like them to come to Tampa just because I know it will be easier for me to get there, but <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty close. You know, I, I try to make it to at least like a game a month during the season. It's hard with my like work schedule and stuff, but mm -hmm. I've been here all my life too. So like, you know, it's just one more reason. So how have you, from your perspective, since you've been really supporting and following the team since that, since that 08 run, how have you seen things develop when it, when it comes to the fan base? I will say it's, it's difficult sometimes, like a lot of people don't seem to care. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's probably not good to say, but like, no, a lot no, no, people, no. It's understandable. You know, because like the bucks are definitely, I would say probably the most popular team here. Um, and then the lightning. No, then, no, I was going to say the lightning are way more popular. It seems like that, you know, but I don't just to me, I don't know from my, I think it's the my, lightning. I think, I think, <laughs> I, I think it's lightning, Tampa Bay Vipers, Buccaneers. I don't know. The Tampa Bay storm rays. I, I definitely think the razor. Yeah. The razor, I like the bottom of most people's tier list, but that's because like baseball itself is not the most popular sport, you know, but I definitely don't see obviously when we are doing well, I see, you know, I'll drive around and I'll see like people with like raised flags outside of their houses. And, you know, anytime I'm going to a game, I, you know, all the cars around me have like their raised, you know, merchandise cause they're going to. So I know that the fans are out there. It's just, you know, like I said, baseball is just not the most popular sport in the world. And that's why it's even harder, you know, mm -hmm. this is going to sound weird, but did you ever feel like an outcast for being a Rays fan living in Tampa? Which, you know, sounds like a really, really strange question. But honestly, with all the other teams that also exist in some way in terms of fandoms in the area, do you have you ever felt like an outcast as a Rays fan? Um, I wouldn't say an outcast as a Rays fan. Sometimes I feel like an outcast as like a baseball fan. Because <laughs> like everybody I know is like a football fan or a hockey fan. Um, I don't meet too many. Like, you know, obviously I know Tampa is like a like a mini like when it comes to baseball and like the Yankees fans and stuff here but um I don't meet too many of them so at least there's that <laughs> well that's a good thing that's a good thing so so you're talking about games going to the trop when did when did you first start going to games when did that when did that first start for you and obviously you going to now you know about a game a month when did things you know when did the uptick start with going to games going like I my first game that I went to in person was in 2009 we were playing the Indians and it was um I'm sorry the Cleveland baseball team and it was Carlos Pena's birthday that's what I specifically remember about it um but then you know after that my best friend and I because she was a huge race fan too or is a huge race fan too um we tried we started going to games um a lot more often at that time because my life was just different I had more time to do it we would go like every Wednesday because like I hate to say, but we enjoyed being there when it was like a lesser crowd. <laughs> like we liked being in like the, like the few people that were there, but yeah, we started going, you know, we would go a few times a month at that point, you know, when I was like, I don't know, I think that would probably be like 2013, 2014. Okay. I do want to say as someone who has gone to several um, Orioles games while 
while going to the University of Maryland. It's so much nicer when there's no one there because you can get in and out of parking quickly and you can just kind of maneuver around the stadium wherever you want and find the seats that you want. That's that's the best thing is <laughs> Is, is sitting in, you know, sitting in like a higher section for like $15 seats and then finding a way down to the lower level by the end of the game. It's, it's one of my favorite things at a baseball game to do. Absolutely. Especially, yeah, because we would, they were like Wednesday day games back when they still did Wednesday day games. I, I don't know what it, I think in like the last few years, they really haven't done like the day games on Wednesdays as often. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was like maybe 5,000 people in the stadium. I, that sounds bad again. But yeah, we loved it. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We would get seats like in the, the, the party deck. <laughs> They're like $15 tickets. And then we would move to like the front row in the outfield. So, and then we would just like shout at, whoever was there. Cause it was like, I know Will Myers was there. Um, when Kevin Kiermeyer got here, we would, it was the same kind of thing, just being that close. And that's another thing that was really cool about like not as many fans being there because yeah, you could like almost hear what they're saying on the field to each other and you can shout at them and they may like hear you, you know? Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. So the last thing I wanted to ask you before a couple of quick hitters, I wanted to ask about Twitter because, because you, you know, we talked about the McClanis stands and we talked about the group chat. And then we also talked about a quickly little bit about what's going on with you and Twitter, but when did things, so, so you said you joined a year ago, when did that, like, how did you, how did you first get involved in it and how has it evolved for you in terms of your presence on the site? So actually I joined in like 2011 originally. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. Then I was off. No, no, no. I did like I started using it really more in like last year. Or maybe it was oh, okay, okay, okay. Might have been 2019. But um I actually joined like back in 2011 because like I've always been like I always had like not much to do. So I was on the internet a lot. Like I actually like Michaela, I know she was on here a couple weeks ago. She and I have been friends since 2010 like, or 11 on Tumblr. Jeez. Yeah. So like, you know, we've known each other for a long time. And at that time I was more on Tumblr than I hate to say it. Like I cringe to even say it, but <laughs> I was on Tumblr and the, the race community on there actually is really what got me started with making more friends on the internet that liked the race. Um, so there's Michaela, you know, a few other people there. And then we just kind of started to migrate to Twitter. Everybody had Twitter. So I joined, but I didn't really use it as much. It was kind of like what she was saying. There wasn't really a community at the time. There weren't as many fans on Twitter. So it kind of, I don't know. I just didn't, didn't stick around. And then I, you know, came back in like 2019. And again, I, I don't know, I started meeting other people. I, I was still like, I still knew Michaela Emma, um, I don't, she hasn't been on here yet, but you know, a couple other people that I did know from Tumblr who were on Twitter. And I don't know, I just started to like meet more race fans through that or just over time. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad that it's been able to manifest as much as it has. And you've really been able to, to grow a voice on the platform because I think you're doing a lot of great stuff on Twitter. Uh, a couple quick hitters for you. First off, c- because we've started asking this for a lot of people, your favorite present past and and all-time race player so all time like i said earlier is bj upton it's never not going to be him <laughs> and i heard what you okay. said on that one podcast about him that's and... fine i'm not gonna no i don't care oh, i'm not God. taking it back you i'm not too much. you know as i was listening i was i heard you like I, I don't know if it was you but somebody made like a vomiting sound <laughs> oh that was me yeah, I can't stand him for certain <laughs> things that he did once he started declining as a player because yeah. there were just some – he did some, like, just things where it just looked like he didn't care one bit yeah. about playing baseball. Okay, but I specifically remember his last – we knew it was his last game as a Ray. I remember him crying in the dugout, and that I specifically remember crying along with him. 
Girl, I was I don't, there. I don't. <laughs> I you were at, at that, that game. game. I no. Game. I knew it was his last game. So I was like, I'm going. Like, we're not going to resign him. That's going to be his last game. And then, yeah, when I heard that he was crying in the dugout, like, I didn't cry, but <laughs> I was quite emotional about it. <laughs> I have I, I have a I have a very cloudy relationship with BJ Upton. That's all I'll say. Melvin Upton Jr. Melvin Upton Jr. My thing is like my the thing that I'm like almost known for is that like most of my favorite players are garbage. <laughs> like well, they're okay, not <laughs> okay. So let's go over that. So so present, present and past. So present, it's hard, you know, I won't lie to you. My present favorite player was Blake Snell. And he's not garbage, obviously. But I don't know. Out of the whole roster, I don't. I tend to gravitate towards people that have been there the longest, just because obviously I've seen the most of them and I've okay. known, like you know. So he was my favorite, and another player that a lot of Rays Twitter seems very mixed on, and most people don't like, is Kevin Kiermeyer. <laughs> so been been a big fan of Kevin Kiermeyer since he you know came out, and he's you know a little slumpy sometimes. Um, past if we want to name off names of players that a lot of people hate or don't think are very good, Reed Brignac was like one of my favorites at the time. I loved him. I feel like we've mentioned him before. So this is our second. I think somebody did mention him. I was really excited. That's amazing. (laughs) Reed Brignac, I loved him. I loved Matt Joyce, even though like during his, he was, you know, he had, he was sweet swinging. He was good. And he's like a local guy. He went to Armwood High School. So like I love Matt Joyce, but he definitely, I think a lot of people remember him as being also very slumpy. So those are like the ones that stick out to me as like my favorites that maybe weren't so great. Um, but right now I, I would say Brandon Lau for sure. Yes. I, you can't you can't not love the dog. Like you can't not love him. So good. And he went to Maryland, <laughs> which makes him like 10 times better. I love that every single one of these podcasts I've listened to, there's always a little slip in that Brandon Lau went to Maryland. He's the best. <laughs> I love Brandon. I also love um, Joey Wendell a lot. Yes. I, he's, Westchester University. He's underrated king. Underrated. underrated. Absolutely. Oh, that's another one that I don't know. I've always felt he was underrated, but uh, you know, I think a lot of people appreciate him now. Ben Zobris was one of my favorite players oh, when he was there. It was like, I, I remember like personally going on rants about how like nobody was hitting extra base hits like him. Like he wasn't hitting home runs. Like he was the best. He was, he yeah. was so good. Absolutely. I loved him. Um, I do want to say Joey Wendell, Joey Wendell for me, there was a point where I think he was batting like sub 200, like a year or two ago and Lau wasn't playing. And I was like, why are you playing Joey Wendell when he's like, I, I said DFA Joey Wendell. And now this year he's turned into a God. So clearly he listened to me and became better in the off season. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't lie to you either. Brett, Brett Phillips is another one that's up there for me. Cause again, he's local. Our boy. Best life yeah. in baseball. Easily the best life <laughs> in baseball. He's, he's got to be like the, the most fun guy to be around in that dugout. Like he just from what we've seen, and we probably haven't even scratched the surface on like how interesting and like fun he is. I, I hope he stays on the team for a couple more years. I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, and All speaking right. of local guys, I I like forgot about it earlier, but then you said something about Lakeland. Another thing, this is like going way back to like one of your first topics. Um, Tyon is from Lakeland. So that would be another oh. one maybe a great fit, in my opinion. Just throwing that in there. Heard That's, it here first. Tyon the Rays. <laughs> on the pod, confirmed now. All right. I got I got I have a couple more things. So the trop gets a bad rap in a lot of 
different circles of the baseball world. And obviously we as race fans think of it quite differently. Why do you think the trap gets a bad rep? Is it deserved? And what is your favorite part of the trap amenity? Anything like that? I don't think it's deserved. I think sure. It's, I mean, people say it's ugly. I don't think it's ugly. It's just not exciting to look at. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's deserved. I think that a lot of people, again, who are, you know, fans of teams that are 200 years old, you know, don't like that. It's not your traditional stadium. You know, it's indoors, you get air conditioning, whatever, but you need that here. <laughs> like it rains like every day in, in the summer. Like if we didn't have an indoor stadium, I can understand a roof, whatever, but it's hot. It's rainy. It's wet outside. So I think that the trough is perfect for its purposes. And like Bree saying earlier during that spring training game, she got a sunburn. We don't get that. We don't have to deal with that. And it's perfect. So whatever happens with our stadium, I, first of all, I love the trop. It would be, I would be fine with them picking it up and moving it to Tampa. I don't care, but <laughs> you know, that's me on my high horse about how people should just stop saying mean things about the trop because it hurts my feelings. <laughs> I, I challenge anyone who hates the trop and does not live in Florida to come down here and stand outside during every race game. Yeah, during every race game and see how you like it. You are going to be in thunderstorms. You are going to get sunburnt and it's going to be humid and hot and it's horrible. So Absolutely. Even just waiting in line to get in yeah. is obnoxious. <laughs> but maybe we're spoiled. I don't know. Either way, deal with it. <laughs> I think it gets a bad rap and it's 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 definitely not deserved. So I like your take on that. All right, Wander Watch 2K21. Is Wander coming up this year? And if he is, when? Maybe not immediately. Maybe not like opening day necessarily. They might do what they did with Randy. You know, I don't remember when Randy, what was it, like mid-season or maybe like toward the end of um, August. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think near mid-season, maybe around like the trade deadline or something, they'll, you know, bring him up officially. Like he's what, he's, is he, do we know that he's invited to spring training officially? I would assume he probably is. I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think they'll start him on opening day. Mm. Two last things. Your favorite part of the 2020 season and what you're looking forward to most in the 2021 season. Well, favorite part of the 2020 season is always a toss-up for me between Game 4 of the World Series and Mike Brasso's walk-off against Araldis Chapman, but I think that it's, it's going to be Mike Brasso. Like, I don't – you know, the Dodgers – World Series is one thing, but like for me, nothing beats that that rivalry with the Yankees and just shutting them up, especially after obviously the whole narrative around that whole situation. It, it was nice to see. Like, so that's going to be number one for me. Excellent. And then 2021, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to? I would say going to games if it's safe, if <laughs> if that's an option. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Randy play a full season. I'm looking forward to definitely seeing Wander come up. Um, those are like the top two for me for sure. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end it. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for coming on for people that don't know you and follow you on social media. Where can people follow you on Twitter and the like? Um, so on Twitter, it's Liza both is how it's pronounced. Cause most people don't know. Um, it's a childhood nickname, but it's L I Z A B O T H. I spelled it. I'm not going to phonetically spell it, but that's me <laughs> on like most platforms, but Twitter's the main one that I'm on ever. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Liz, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time with t- to talk with us. This has been a lot of fun. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate you sticking until the end to listen to us and hear all of our thoughts for this podcast. We just wanted to let you guys know you can follow the network. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. We're at Raise the Roof TB on Twitter. The RTRTB are all capitalized. We're on Instagram. 
same handle, just all lowercase raise the roof TB. If you have any comments, questions, criticisms of the podcast, you can email us at Gmail at raise the roof TB at gmail.com. Again, all lowercase or just DM us on the Twitter account for this podcast. Feel free to uh, like, share, subscribe it um, to uh, subscribe to what we're doing. Leave us a review, hopefully a five-star review on, on whatever podcast site you're using. Uh, I know the main people that, that, that listen to us, listen to us through Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but we're on Google Podcasts and a bunch of more pl- podcast platforms. So make sure to listen to us there. And from all of us, stay safe, stay healthy. Please wear a mask and raise up. Raise up. Raise up.